Grade Meats. Um, to be fair, before I just throw you right in, we are sitting with someone who, within the media industry in the UK, because I like to stay away from the word urban, um, is definitely a massive trailblazer. Someone who has made her own lane for herself in a way which other people would love to have done, especially at a time that you did it, when it was not as popular and common as it is now. Someone who is the founder of one of the largest modern agencies within the UK media industry. And someone who has pretty much got hats for every different title. I mean, <laughs> doing research on you, I found a lot of uh, things that you've done. So we are here today with Shams Face for Music. Good morning, Shams. Hello, good morning. How are you today, Shams? I'm good, I'm good. I'm awake now. I've been, I've been awake for some hours, but I'm good. definitely wide awake now. Good, 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 good. Um, anyone who is watching this interview will know from previous, if they have seen them, that we like to have a very relaxed conversation on Grow Daily Meets. Um, we like to have conversations with people that we would genuinely have a conversation with outside of the interview. Someone who, if I was to see you, whether it be in an in event or whether it be in private, that I would genuinely like to pick your brains and find out the root of you. So, first and foremost, just relax with us here today. Yeah, we'll, really. turn this on the on. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get that. We'll get that switched off. And um, yeah, it's just to more so find out a little bit more about your journey. So, first and foremost, for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us the basics today. Um, so yeah, I'm Charmaine Hayden. I'm known as Shams by some circles, and I'm an entrepreneur and a human being. Um, which is a really important part. Um, I always say that when people define themselves, a lot of the time we define ourselves by our jobs, um, mm. but we have to start with the human experience. Mm. Definitely. With a lot of people that are watching this, they may better know you from Face for Music. Some may know you now from Not For The Radio, um, and some may even know you from events that you've done. But let's sort of start on the first brand, being Face for Music. Is that fair to say that's the first brand that built Charmaine? Or Shut up. Should I say? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it wasn't my first ever, ever, ever brand. My first yeah. ever brand was called Party Fairies. It was a shot girl company, um, but that was very early on, and that was while I was still in uni. Okay, shot girl company. That's 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 <laughs> one that's for me. Tell me more about that. Um, literally, we just used to book girls um, to go and sell shots in okay. bars. We used to buy the bottle um, for a set price, say sixty pound from the bar, and then sell the shots. Um, and yeah, that was that was that. We just we had shot goals in, I think I think it was fourteen clubs mm -hmm. in London, um, and then sometimes we used to even do it ourselves, like we're going out there. So this was prior to Face for Music. Yeah. Okay, cool. So how did we get from there to Face for Music? Um, well, I was at uni, so I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's long, um, so I just stopped. I weren't mm -hmm. yeah, weren't consumed with it. Um, and I also had three jobs, so it was like it, wow. this was yeah. So organising that and working these jobs and uni um, was getting a bit much for me then. Um, and then I was kind of out that, but I kind of think I've always had the entrepreneurial um, gene somewhere mm -hmm. that's been laying dormant. Um, and then I was at uni. Um, and when I was at uni, when I was working, I was a terrible employee, worst employee ever. Um, so if you hate work and you're feeling like it's not for you, then yeah, don't worry, you're not alone. There are other people that kind of feel that discomfort level. Mm. Um, really, I think it's a really important conversation just because I just, I didn't understand how people could work full time. Mm. It was like something that just wasn't for me. I'd do anything to get out of work, anything at all. So 
I was I was doing this, I was doing my, my, my all these jobs and I was doing lots of different jobs because I realised that it was a way of breaking down my roles so that I wasn't having to stay in one role for too long, mm. for too many hours in any one day. So, and I tried everything, like hairdressing, um, sales, telesales, retail, um, legal clerking. Um, yeah, like so such a broad variety yeah. of different things. And for me, it was like, they just didn't work. So I was like, okay, I'm at uni. I want to make some extra money now as well as my jobs, you know, it's got things to buy, you know, mm. clothes, nothingness, loads of nothingness. Um, and so I start, I decided, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to do an Ann Summers party. So I've set up this Ann Summers party, ladies night, whatever. So invited all these people down. And then the box comes on the day. So I've organised it so it's come to schedule. You know, the box mm. comes on the day of all these stuff. And I've realised that, Charmaine, you're a prude. And you don't really <laughs> like talking about sex in front of people. And then, worst, worst. Is that the, still the case now? I, I'm not really that that open to talk about wow. yeah, these things. I'm, I'm quite closed we'll, about we'll, that. We'll come back to that. Yeah, we can revisit. <laughs> um, but my partner at the time, my boyfriend at the time, his mum had come down as well, and that was just like the icing on yeah. on the cake. It was like, yeah, this is just a nightmare. So <laughs> I've continued through because, um, you know, I thought, well, I've got everyone's down here. They're here, and there was some some really rather crazy toys and outfits and stuff that was just really out of my um my comfort zone. Mm. Um, as much as I do encourage people to come out of their comfort zones only within your rights. Um, so yeah, that was the last, that was the first and last and summer's thing. But I'd set up a MySpace page um, in the hope that I could spread some social media, mm. um, get Tom and my top friends and them to getting his top friends I was aiming for, you know. Mm. Um, so I started to network with people online. So after that night, I was like, okay, no more and summers. Yeah, it's like okay, I'm gonna do something online. So I was online on MySpace and started connecting people, um, just because I like to help genuinely. So it's like okay, right, I can see that you are doing a production, and this girl is really pretty. So maybe you guys could come together and you could you could forge something um, mm. here um, and and work together. Um, and then started doing that really regularly, just in my my spare time. It's like this is what I'm doing. I'm going online and putting people together. Um, then I got like an inkling of, oh my gosh, what would happen if something happens mm. to either of these people because I've brought them together? Mm. And I, I, the accountability aspect started to, to float in my mind. So I was like, okay, right, what do we do here? So started to go down to shoots and stuff, you know, like, oh, let's just, just check in on what's happening. I don't know what me and Lena thought we was going to do. Mm. Like, thought it was really strong. And, you know, if anything goes down, we've got this. Mm. Come on, <laughs> we've got this. Um, but, um, yeah, we just, and then we started networking more. And then it's like, we're spending a lot of time doing this. It's like, mm. okay, we need to sit down and we need to think about how we can monetize this. Because mm. we're spending money here. Like, no one's making money, we're spending money. So we started thinking, okay, what if we set up an agency? Bearing in mind, we've never been to a modelling agency. We've never been in a modelling I mean, agency. I mean, was there even many then at that, at that time? There were modelling agencies, conventional modelling agencies. Mm. Um, nothing like ours um, that I knew of. Um, there was probably a few dance cliques and stuff like that that were, that were floating around that were probably sometimes used for modelling as well, but mm. nothing specifically set up. Um, and initially, we was like, okay, we're just going to set up for music videos because it's an area that... You know, people genuinely wouldn't want to go to elite model management for was specifically in those days. If they're looking for like a curvy girl or an ethnic model, mm. um, then then 
those they're not going to find those there mm. um so we started working on that um and then we went yeah we were struggling with trying to make money from that because it's like yeah no one wanted to pay but there wasn't really an industry then mm. so it was unless you were so solid and you was making huge budget videos and there was how many so solids were there mm. um and the more commercial lane at that stage didn't cover our realm at all so with there not being a lane there so to speak what what drove you to make that lane what was it that made you think well look it's not there so let's because it's almost like a gap but what made you see that as a gap um i'd relish the challenge and mm. i am i am the consumer of that music so i wanted to see more like me um okay. and the same with lena that's what she was looking for and it was just like okay well you know, my friends that I think that are beautiful, they don't look like the stereotypical model. Um, yeah. They're beautiful and they're probably going to get a lot of attention where they go and they're going to make something look really aesthetically pleasing. So why aren't they um, on the screens? Why, yeah. where is it, why is there an underrepresentation? So the more of a struggle that I found it as I was going through these these different lanes, trying to enter these different lanes, the more of a push it gave me that this is something that needs to, to give. Mm. And then kind of started looking a bit further afield outside of music videos and feeling like there's a massive underrepresentation of ethnic and curved models. Um, there is like a plus size market. There's a petite market. There's a, you know, commercial model market. There's an editorial market, but there's not a curve ethnic model um, um, market. So it's like, okay, what can we do to kind of try and carve this lane out? And it, there were a lot of hurdles because not only did the industry not accept us in terms of the, the, the modeling industry and the mm. commercial fashion world and stuff like that, but a lot of the people outside of that looking in, they were like, you know, this isn't something that's achievable. Why are you doing this? These aren't proper models. They're just girls. They're just pretty girls. It doesn't work. Da, da, da. Don't do this. You, in order to be successful, Shams, you need to sit down and you need to think about, you know, whether or not you need to commercialise what the type of intake that you have on your books. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do that. I want to commercialise the agency format that I have. Mm. So I want to bring Curve Ethnic to a broader screen um, and, and just to get a graph before sort of the quote unquote social media way really early myspace myspace day. yeah okay. so really early myspace still um and yeah when we're taking it seriously probably like early facebook stages mm. so social media played a huge role for us because it was like okay this is a great way for us to be able to network with people mm. and talk to people that we probably wouldn't be able to reach otherwise and people still didn't understand how to use these formats you know they were so new um, but it's like, okay, this is exciting. You know, mm. we can do this. And it's just that people don't know enough about it. Mm. So if you keep on knocking on the same door, eventually someone's going to answer, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, they do, they do get to, they do get to give out their leaflets sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's important that people understand that there's a reason why people continue knocking on doors It's because there will be results. The same with sales calls and such I like. I really like that analogy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's so we continued forwards and we we was working and it was like we were working initially for like nothing still because even though we was getting like fifty quid for the girls, it's like okay we're gonna get your book in fifty quid. And the girls will come down. We would take like a ten hour for our travel mm. and then forty quid goes to the girl and it's like yeah this is not life. And where where was you finding the girls at the time? Were these just girls you knew already or? Yeah, just well mainly just from social media and stuff. So they were kind of gravitating towards us and we was kind of putting out calls and doing like model 
competitions and stuff like that for people to come and join us and mm -hmm. just create a bit of a, a buzz and a bit of um, generation. But we didn't have anyone signed to us or anything else like that. We didn't understand that process. So it was all very unofficial sort of you playing middleman to bro brokering them into sort of deals at the time, but just quite unofficial. Yeah, that. very yeah. unofficially. So it's like we couldn't guarantee, like we'd put out a call on a day and say, oh, you know, is anyone available for this today? Mm. And, and was the name Face for Music in place? Um, at this stage, yeah. Okay. So we'd put the name in place and it's like, okay, we're going to go with this. This mm. is what's going to happen. Um, but then, yeah, like I said, as, as time goes on, you start to invest time and energy into stuff. You start to, okay, how can I value my time? I don't want to work in my conventional job anymore because I can see that there's something forming here. Mm. Not quite sure what it is. Still don't know what a real agency does at this stage. Mm. Don't know. Scared to call up and say, you know, hey, like, you know, what's mm. going on? Or to get to go and do a visit or to do some, you know, research wasn't as easy as it is now because you couldn't Google infrastructure of modeling agency because Google wasn't really like that then. Mm. And the understanding of what Google was and the information that was inputted was very different. Um, so it was like if it wasn't like a news feed or something like that, there wasn't many blogs mm. or anything else, else like that. So it's like you're going to go on what you know. And if you mm. know nothing, you just kind of, OK, I'm assuming that this is how a modeling agency works. Yeah. And yeah. this is what I'm going to go. But I didn't understand how to charge, how much is a reasonable amount to charge anyone. So everything was pretty much from scratch. It's not the days of how to set up it because now you can probably google it and there's probably a million and one blogs giving you ideas so th at this time there was nothing like there that. was no information whatsoever and what what led to the name face for music just before we moved past that and um, because we initially just wanted to do music videos okay. it was okay. like okay this is these will be faces for music okay simple as that yeah no and this is it's cool uh, i think it's definitely stuck you you said and i want to sort of address it before we move on you said a few times now, especially on and off camera, that at that time you didn't necessarily feel that you belonged in a job. You also said that you wasn't going to go back to nine to five. You said it in several different ways. For you, and, and I relate because I'm very similar, but there may be people that aren't necessarily that way. What would you say is in you that led you to be that person? Because, I mean, you obviously have always been that person before Face for Music, before maybe even before uni, that you felt that you didn't necessarily belong in a nine to five and there's no sort of slating towards a nine to five, but there's a reason behind that. What would you say the reason is? Why, why do you feel that that's you? Um, I just think that I've always, I've always been a person who I, I know what I want and I know mm. what I'm enjoying and I've always kind of tuned into that. Mm. And for me, I just, I just knew that, there, and a lot of people do know that it might not be that they don't want to be in a nine to five, but they don't want to be in that nine to five yeah. or they yeah. don't want to be in that tax bracket or they don't want to be in, in, you know, you might set up a company and think, you know what, I'm not in love with this. Yeah. And I've set up loads of companies where I'm not in love with and we're like, yeah, that one's not going to run mm. Um, mm. because you just kind of have a feeling, but it's, I guess it's, it's, it's a call to action in self. And I do lots of writing stuff down and like, okay, like what I, I don't feel happy at the moment. Why don't I feel happy? Okay, and why, what things are making me happy, what things have made me sad, and then keeping a diary of those, rather than writing, oh, you know, a, a diary about, you know, my boyfriend's left me mm. and I'm really sad. So very in tune with self, I mean, I think, I, I personally think it's massively important to listen to the inner voice, and that's pretty much what you're saying that you've done the whole time. Have you been like that forever, or was there a turning point? Um, no, I think I've pretty much always been like that. Um, quite an independent thinker, um, because my, when I was growing up, um, my mum was on heroin, so we was kind of like almost raising ourselves. Okay. So my big sister played a big role, but it was like, okay, there's a lot of free thinking happening. There's a lot of, okay, what are we going to do today mm. to make sure that things go right? And it was like, okay, cool. You you kind of get into a zone where you're like, I'm 
I'm an independent thinker and mm. this is how I'm going to do it. There's a problem here. How do you solve it? I remember um, jump. I used to be a bit of a tomboy, well, a tomboy. And I would, I jumped off of something um, on the estate with the boys and I'd um, sprained my, my ankle um, really badly. And it's like, okay, well, I've got a sprained, I've got a sprained ankle now. I'm probably about eight or nine there's no one to tell about this. What mm. am I going to do? So I'd gone and knocked on my friend's doors and said, you know, does anyone have a spare crutch? Mm. Because there's a problem here. There needs to be a solution. Mm. So, you know, even though I didn't understand what I was doing then, it's it's always kind of been in here. Mm. Like, don't, this isn't a good feeling. What are we going to do to kind of try and rectify this mm. and make it better? So that those were massive transferable skills in terms of taking action and a call to action. Um, so like, what, what do you do here mm. in those situations? You have to act. So when fight or flight forces you to kind of develop, um, different sorts of, I guess, just what are they called? Well, what, 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 I've lost the word. You just have to develop, um, new ways of doing things. So okay. every, every day you're going to, right, I'm going to do this now. Mm. Like, this is going to be a habit, a new habit. Mm. So yeah, I was forced to develop a habit mm. and the habit was that if something was wrong, then I'm going to find a solution. Mm. Um, but we don't always know what the problem is, which is why I say to write the list. And I say it like when one of my friends breaks up, like, is upset with a guy that they're talking to. Mm. I'm like, okay, well, write, write it down. I know it sounds so basic, but write it down. Like, what do you like here? What don't you like? Weigh them up. No, it's Wait crucial. I think, um, I think the idea, I mean, something that we always push is the idea of writing things on paper rather than just thinking them is massively a lot more powerful than just thinking them anyway, whether it be goals, feelings. So I definitely agree. You've said a few things which I think have to be addressed <laughs> before we before we go forward. And I think that's how the conversation is going to be anyway, because I can tell just by the type of person you are. You said growing up on the estate. Now, for many people, I mean, it might be something that they're not even aware of they may see glam shams and they may just think it's always been glam sham where i mean give us an idea of how you grew up and how, how would you say that affected you as well because it obviously has had an effect yeah see um I, in terms of growing up on the estate then i lived on an estate in car shorten okay. um, which definitely had an effect because it made me realize that i was different in okay. in more ways than when i was different initially because aesthetically i was different my mum's white and my family are white and on the estate there was no brown people yeah it was yeah. just me. Yeah. <laughs> I think there, no, there was about one family, but they were older, but there was no young people. Mm. So there was little things and it's like, okay, these these lead to, okay, I'm I'm different because it was brown girl on the ring day. If I sing brown girl on the ring, <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm in the middle, I'm feeling, come on, I bust. <laughs> my man's out here on stage and my mum's going ham and I'm thinking, why is she ruining this? She's saying, get, the, get my fucking daughter out of here. Um, so like those kind of things like okay well this isn't cool you're right that's not cool um and then i had lots of different experiences like we we used to, like there was a river there we used to cross over to go to the bread factory mm. like there's mad things mad adventures that i've had in life that i mm. know that i wouldn't have had if i was up here but then when i did come up here um me and my sister had made a call to action because we'd like okay this is getting bad with my mum our house had been burnt down we went home one day and our house had been burnt down and um we was like okay well What's going on? No, they come to the school and they said, yeah, the house, your house has been burnt down. My mum had owed someone money. They'd burnt the house down. We had to move, all this stuff. Mm. And we was just like, oh, this is a nightmare. Like, it's an absolute nightmare. So what are we going to do? So, how old is you? I was... I don't, how old are you? I can't remember what ages you want. Just, just, I 
primary. I think I was about 11. Yeah, I was in primary school. You seem to have a very vivid outlook on it. You seem to remember it. Like, oh, yeah, it's very clear. Yeah. So there, there were very standout points. So, you know, we'd, we'd come together, me and my sister, and we was just like, okay, my sister's older than me. She's like three, four years older than me, four yeah. years older than me. And um, it was like, okay, something's got to give. So we went and she was like, oh, our auntie's number's in the cupboard. You know, there's no mobiles then, yeah. be there. <laughs> so her number was in the cupboard. So we took it down and went and called her and said, oh, mum's in trouble. We need to sort this out. So when my mum went to rehab and we moved up here because my auntie lived up here um number one i had a massive culture shock because there's bare black people yeah. it's like well yeah they're all the same color as me wild. <laughs> where about wild. london did you move to i moved um initially to we was in kingsbury okay and then to neesden and then to Halston. okay yeah, so um yeah gradually yeah. getting deeper <laughs> um so um but it was it for me it was amazing because it was like okay this is a brand new experience mm. um and i think that in a way i guess as a mixed race um girl i'm quite privileged to have lived in both sides um, because sometimes you only get one side or the other mm. and it's like okay well this is this was a very predominantly white area and white experience mm. and white people are crazy as fuck mm. um so you get to have that really crazy experience um and some really great experiences and then i came down to a really diverse brent mm. brent is so diverse and mm. it was like okay this is a culture shock i don't know what to expect here um felt a little out of out of sync again everything was different um felt a lot of challenges because academically i was really always been really smart and in Carshall and the education system's different and very advanced. So by the time I got to secondary school, I was still learning stuff that I already knew from primary school there. So it was mm. like, yeah, I'm bored. So out here, bad breed, mm. just not going to school, stealing, absolute in the shops, stealing clothes, teaching other people how to steal clothes, getting arrested, went to court twice. Um, really thought, well, this is it. Mm. You know, this is all going down. Um, and then just... Luckily, I had. The, now I understand how the education system works. So I know that the teachers that in my school they needed me for the league tables. So they yeah, they wanted yeah, me course, to get, like yeah. in school. I was not yeah. getting kicked out. I was having fights. I was causing trouble. Stay in, Charmaine. As long as you're in, and you're another number on their list. Yeah, yeah, like a really important number because mm. my friends were getting suspended for arguing with teachers, and I was allowed to walk out and go shout at the head teacher like, "You can come yeah. and do this if you want to." Yeah, it was like that. Was that because you was? doing well academically or was it just because you thought they needed to keep you in there no i think it was because i was doing well academically um i do also know that one thing that has always been an advantage of mine is if i did you know if i did get into trouble it's like i, I would calm down and realize actually i can see i'm at fault here yeah um yeah. and this is how i'm gonna just so always quite i mean it sounds like you've always been quite good at self-analyzing yourself like being honest with yourself and knowing where you really are and just knowing who you are deep down yeah at, yeah. at each time and those yeah. the, the, the who i am has always evolved so yeah. I f and i think that that's really important as well because some people get stuck in something like i've analyzed myself this is who I am, this is my lane. And it's like, sometimes you fall out of love with that lane yeah. and you evolve and that's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. um, no one expects a, a, a caterpillar to stay a caterpillar forever. How would you say you've, and I, I definitely appreciate that we're jumping, but it's because they're very crucial points. How would you say you've kept in touch with knowing yourself? Because it sounds like since, from what you're saying, since about 11 years old till today, you've been in touch with yourself. And I know, especially for myself, it's, it's a journey that's been a lot more recent um, within the last five to six years. So to hear someone who sounds like they've pretty much been personal developing since 11 <laughs> years old, how how would you say you've kept that? 
What were sort of the things you've done? Um, I just think that identity is something that I clung on to because it was something that was constant. Mm. So whereas for everybody else, their home life might have been constant or mm. it's something they can control. One thing I can control is myself and how I look at myself and how I, I, do, mm. I, I view myself and how I act and how I respond to situations. That can be constant. I can control that. So for me, it was more of a control thing. Um, in the same way, I always I, I realized very early on. So I remember some a girl had said to me, "You're going to lose your virginity really early because you're light skin and light skin girls are loose." Mm. <laughs> Wait a minute! It stunned something in my soul and yeah. spurred me on to have this whole new thing. And for me, I, it's only when I was I think I was 21 and I was thinking, "Ah, oh, I think it's time for me to lose my virginity." Like. And I was having a conversation with myself about this. I wasn't just doing it. Yeah. So yeah, I think I might be ready. Am I ready? Yeah. Um, I was like, but who will I be after that? Like, this is the come pot. Because everybody knew. Because it was yeah. a thing. It was like, don't touch her. She will punch you yeah. in your throats yeah. if you touch her. Because she's... I was so like... I'd gone to the other side. Like, the... Would you say that's almost a sense of, of pride and stubbornness almost? Like, are, you, are you the type of person where someone says you're going to end up like that, you do everything to not end up like that because they've said it, or would you say something? Yeah, I think that I think that for that period of time, that was how I was. Um, mm. A little less so now, and I think that I did have, uh, because it became part of my identity, and identity is something that can be very precious, which is why I said at the beginning of the interview, I'd like to define myself as a person first. Mm. I think a lot of people, as you said, let loads of other things define them, whether it be job status, financial status, looks, etc., etc. So I think that's massively important. Bringing it back to so the building of face for music. So we're at a stage now where we've got the company, we've started to get a few fifty pound bookings, so we get ten pounds after booking and whatnot. How do we grow? How do we get? Because let's be honest, face for music is one of the number one modern agencies where we are right now, especially within, I really hate the urban term. What do you, how do you define it when you speak about face for music? I talk about it as a part of the culture. So as, as our culture, mm. so in general, um, but right now the space that it's in, I feel like it's a bigger, there's a bigger picture because mm. we have a space where people are actually starting to embrace ethnic and curve and stuff like that. Um, so it's like, in terms of the commercial world, it's like my dreams are already coming through. Mm. Um, because it's like, even regardless of whether or not they're all from booked from us, um, the fact that I can see curve models or I can see black faces on the screen, it represented in the same light, rather than the extremes, because usually they have they have always displayed the, the extremes. It's like, okay, there's one end of the spectrum or the other, mm. whereas it's actually, no, there's like <laughs> so mm. many of us in such a diverse range. Mm. So, um, in terms of the, the agency, it's moving from the £50 bookings was like the hardest thing. Because mm. it's like, yeah, we don't want to do this no more. We're going to start to charge more. And we'd already had the delay of people not really wanting to pay the 50 quid to begin with. Because mm. like, okay, why would I do this? Just pay for goals. And that was from the musicians. Obviously, they weren't making any money. Mm. And then the labels is like, okay... We, why would we want to pay for these girls? They just look like normal girls, mm. as far as they were concerned, like really pretty girls, but just normal girls. We're like, well, why not? You know, in America, they do this all the time. And, you know, um, so it was like, okay, well, we're just not going to do it. And I was like, we've worked to the stage where, you know, we always said that we're going to make ourselves indispensable. And now that we're indispensable, what we're going to do is we're going to 
not work we go on strike okay unless you want to pay you're going to cash out or we don't come and that's really important because rather than doing one booking you're able to do what doing 10 bookings and being able to survive from you're getting the same amount for one booking and it's Mm -hmm. like okay this is worthwhile because people started to understand that they were getting more than just a a pretty face they were getting a service Mm -hmm. they were getting an understanding of what was going on they were getting assistance with the girls getting them into zone and they was getting a lot more um and there was an insurance like there was insurance that you're okay you've booked a model you're you're booking a human being so anything can happen regardless of where you book them from but if something does go wrong, then you've got someone to be accountable and mm. someone to find your replacement if necessary, someone to make sure that they're on time, someone mm. to be able to compensate if they're not. Like there's a middleman to make sure that everybody gets paid okay. There's a middleman to fight each, each, you know, each person's end. For the girls, there's a level of security. It's like you're gonna walk in there and you're gonna say, Okay, well, they're gonna say, you know, get naked and you're gonna say, look at your agent and to mm. be able to say, I I'm not comfortable with that and rather than because a lot of girls get pushed into stuff that they don't really want to do just because they're in the moment and then afterwards there's a regret and they've signed a release form and then it's all stations go Mm. and it's going out regardless so just someone who's going to have a bit of an understanding and yeah people just started to pay up it was like okay you lot have done this for six months so for six months we didn't get any bookings like none not one booking it's like okay maybe we should just forget about this but just hold on just hold on um, what what did keep you going? I mean, aside of the fact that you had a dream, what what was it inside you that made you think? You know, what, I know. Actually, before I say that, did you always know? Did you always have an idea that Face for Music was gonna be where it is now? Have you always imagined that? Um, to be honest, I imagined it bigger. Um, <laughs> if okay. I'm really honest, um, but um, yeah, I did have a clear vision that I wanted something to be huge, um, and I wanted to be able to say that I've I've, I've done this. Um, but at that stage, I was I was really wobbling with the idea, and we was getting we was getting slated. Like social media was growing at this stage, um, and like it was like Twitter had come, and Twitter it was like a common thing you must have seen. It was like mm. it was a cool thing to slate a face music mm. model. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, if you said yeah. face music models are shit, you get like a thousand retweets, mm. and it's like, damn son. Yeah. Um, you guys definitely stuck stuck that time out. Yeah, it was it was a hard time because it's like we wanted to make sure that people understood and respected the girls um, and understood that they were here to do a job, um, and people were really quickly attaching stigmas to people, mm-hmm. stigmas that don't really exist now. So I guess for a modelling agency starting up now, it's a lot easier because it's mm-hmm. like okay, um, you can start up and you can just do your thing. It's, it's something that we're, I guess, more co- we're acceptable. We're accepting of it. Before it was like no one does this. Who does this? All we know about is the strippers in America who do music videos. So these people must be sleeping with artists mm. to get in the music video. It was a really confusing time for a lot of people because it was messing with what 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 we knew. Mm. You know, like we we know this to be like this, and these girls. I know this girl. She's from my area. Yeah, and she's in a video. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you that. <laughs> I mean, it must have been. You must have faced a lot of difficulty. I mean, one of the one of the one things that I was thinking about prior to this whole conversation is. How did you eradicate someone saying, but I could just talk to her directly or I could just go onto this platform and advertise for people to come to my videos? Because I'm assuming before agencies and stuff, a lot of these artists were just putting on their platforms, any girls want to be in this video X, Y, Z, is that fair to assume? And they still do, but a lot of them, even guys who, you've got to think about, say a guy wants to, what? That might be, yeah, he's part of our team, don't worry. Okay. People nowadays, especially within that industry, like to try and cut out the middleman. 
Yeah. So that must have been a, something you definitely faced. And, I, and I'm eager to know how you overcame that. Um, well, it still happens today. Um, and I think that, number one, a lot of the artists that are males, just like, okay, I'm going to go out and look physically look for models for my video. Mm-hmm. Um, usually within a male's network, is a bunch of guys they've slept with before or want to sleep with or mm. want to have relations with or know their girlfriend or something like that. So it can be tense. It can be awkward. Most people just don't really want that. So mm. it's like, okay, let's be able to outsource. And even outside of that, it's like, okay, how can you rely on this person? You hit this person up on social media. Yeah, I've tweeted you and you've said you're coming. Mm. You've got, I've got your number. I don't know you from anywhere. There's no accountability. You could turn up. You could decide not to turn up. Do you even look like your picture? Mm. Are you a catfish? Mm. Is this a joke? There's so many different things that just make it more expensive long-term to just hit the girl up. Mm. And for the girls, um, they have a safety net. They have a, they have a hub. They have someone who's willing to work with them, develop them. And like I said, you know, work within their comfort levels. So mm. I would never submit a girl for a job that I, for say, they would say someone wanted them to do um, a bikini shoot. This girl's explicitly said, I'm, this isn't for me. Mm. That's not going to happen. Mm. There's, I'm going to say to the client, yeah, I know you really like this girl, but let's work with a happy medium. I don't really like the girls to do, in music video specifically, to do laundry and bikinis and stuff anyway. Mm. I try to avoid it where possible. I'm like, you don't really want to do that, do you? Mm. You don't want to do it. <laughs> how, how much of you is within the brand? And just to elaborate on that question, I know from whether, whether it be knowing you directly or whether it just be being within the industry that your reputation has always very much been business. Charmaine mm-hmm. is ruthless and about her business. And that may not be a reputation that's necessarily true, but it's just a representation that I, I often hear. If you ask anyone about you, the first five people are probably going to say she's about her business above everything else. How much of you is within these girls that work for you now or within your company? Or have you kind of allowed it to grow naturally and not put too much of your ideas? So i.e. you saying things like you don't like girls who lingerie um, shoots. How much more of that is within your brand? Um, I think a lot of the girls that are, that come to us are drawn to us because of our ethics and mm. our values. Mm. So they usually gravitate towards us because of those. So they, they kind of stay. Um, and I wrote a book on how to be a video model. Um, and within that, a lot of the stuff is just kind of like being comfortable with yourself. And I think that you get a better model out of that. If a model is comfortable in whatever she's doing, then you're going to get a better performance. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, okay, I, you know, the girl, some of the girls are like, ah, oh, shams, but I want to wear something sexy. I'm not going to object to it if they really want to, mm-hmm. but most of them don't. They're like, oh, I really want to do this, but I, they're scared of judgment externally and people don't understand that because they're really beautiful girls. They feel like you must be so confident and you could you could take anything. You must be hard skinned, but they're like really sensitive. Like, oh, someone just messaged me and said that I look like a tramp or I look mm. like a whore in this video because I've done this. Can I not do that again? And it's like, well, yeah, of course you don't have to do it. You don't have to do anything. Mm. Um, of course, that might mean that you're, you know, not put forward for certain roles, etc. But I prefer someone to do something wholeheartedly and within their own character mm. um, than to do it outside of that. Um, in terms of the emotional attachment to the agency, yeah. it is my most emotional project. Um, okay. uh, which means that it's my most hands-on project that I do um, because it's really hard to step out. It's like my baby. Yeah. Um, so I have been working really hard to kind of step back from the agency and let it run itself because it can run itself. Has that always been something that helps? Has there been any times that that's hindered being so 
Yeah, everything. growth is a lot harder when you're involved in something because it's good to be able to stand outside of something and look inwards rather mm. than to be in the bubble looking out because mm. you're just seeing the circular surfaces. You're not seeing what everybody else is seeing. Mm. So being able to step out and also in terms of time, like, you know, even if you're cash rich, if you're time poor, then you're you're definitely not amongst the wealthy because mm. you need time. Um, and I don't always want to be exchanging my time for money. So mm. it's like, okay, right. So at what stage do we start to remove ourselves, and how much will this affect the brand? And initially I thought it would affect it a bit more than I, I currently do. Mm. But I think that the name speaks for itself. Now people understand what, what it is, what we do. Um, and I have a great team. Um, so it's like, okay, you don't really need to be running around to sets every day, Shams. Mm. You've just wanted to do this for years. Um, mm. And I'm glad that I did because I've made some great relationships and built outwards um to the other brands that i work with and work on now so it, it was good for the for the time it was it lasted but now it's like okay i am ready to kind of start to step back um so that i'm not at the forefront of the agency anymore you said you saw it as bigger you still see it as bigger yeah and where do you see it um for me it's like i don't i we probably only get about 12 major campaigns um a year between 12 and 14. Just, just to, and apologies to interject, but just to elaborate on that, because I think this is this is a part of this conversation that I think is very important. I think it's so easy to look at social media, and it's something I probably do as well, because I'm not a, I'm not an expert or knowledgeable about the modern world. It's quite new to me. So if I go on social media, I can see that Facebook Music's number one, they're always popping their most of the music videos, but in the UK and even outside of the UK often, um, I can see the following, I can see the growth. What what part of that would you say for you is so all right what part of that would you say is is the corporate side of it so you've mentioned the campaigns what part of it would you say you feel a lot of people miss because i think i miss a lot i think there's a lot behind the scenes that happens i see certain things that you on your page that you've achieved and i've missed what's happened behind that <laughs> so what what would you say other than i mean campaigns are a big thing what other things do you do within the modern agency that people would overlook um, I think that most people overlook the process um, in general. So the process of, of recruiting models, the process of um, keeping them on track. Like there's a lot of things that make a model deviate path. Um, a lot of confidence issues, weight gain, weight loss um, that might affect them and make them feel like they can't deliver as they need to. Yeah. Um, boyfriends, horrible, horrible thing. Really? Horrible. And, and My worst it, nightmare. Is it expected <laughs> of your role? I.e., Do other people who run modern agencies have to take on that role to help these people individually, personally, and sort of life coach them? Or do you, would you say you do that because of who you are? I think I do that and we do that because we enjoy being a mother hub for people. We enjoy being able to kind of come in and see, I, like, I love to get a, a, a fresh face who hasn't got any experience and mm. build them up and then look at them and think, wow, you're, mm. on, you're, you're, you're really fulfilling um, mm. what, what we anticipate for you. And you probably did never see this yourself and get a feedback from the girls. Like Christmas time when I get car cards or presents mm. from the girls and they're like, you've changed my life. Like it, it it really builds something in me so I'm really gaining from that but I think that most agencies um have a responsibility to their girls to kind of help them to hone their personality as well because most models come to you very vulnerable um and it's like you, I get people sending me pictures of naked pictures mm. like they feel like this is and they're lucky they fought very fortunate they bumped into me <laughs> and not not a scam agency or or, mm. or, or, or a man who might want to take advantage of them um but, you know, for me, it's like, okay, right, we're going to teach you that you don't have to do that. 
Mm. <laughs> I definitely don't want to see that. It's, got, yeah. it's not why I want flashing up in my inbox. It's yeah. really stressful <laughs> for me. Um, and if we can develop their personality as well as, you know, their, their modelling at the same time, then sometimes when they work in tangent with each other, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I so, think so, I digress from the from the actual question. No, that's cool. There. So what, what's the process? So let's say I'm the model. Mm-hmm. I've come into work for Face for Music and I lack a certain level of confidence, but everyone around me tells me how beautiful I am. Um, I get a lot of hits on Instagram, a lot of likes, et cetera, et cetera. What is your sort of quote unquote personal development process for that model? Um, first and foremost, just that, that's, that social media buzz doesn't mean anything. So it's like I want I, I want to strip that because I think social media brings about a certain type of ego. If you're mm. not if you're not conscious about the dangers of it, and it is a very dangerous realm, um, mm. and the ego can be the enemy. So it's like okay, forget about that. That no one cares about that here mm. on this platform. That's great. I'm really glad that you're achieving that. People like you. It's great. You're popular. But to be a good model, you need to be able to perform to camera. Mm-hmm. And let's get some practice in. Mm-hmm. Like literally like that. We put, we put girls through a trial period. So before they join the agency, they go on trial. Um, so they'll do live sets um, in the deep end, unpaid. Um, and then once they've done that, we'll review them and see whether or not there's room for development. Because some girls come and they are absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. And they can't, the camera just doesn't, they don't work with the camera. They're used to just standing there and being told they're beautiful. So it's like, I, I don't really know what else. I, why mm-hmm. would I need to do anything else? Mm-hmm. Um, and some girls just like, the, the camera goes on and they just switch on and you're like, that's, there's something here. Um, but then you get the girls that are in the middle and those are the girls that you want to, you want to push in the right direction and say, listen, there's something that's, that's hiding in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, when you're when you're being told you look amazing all the time, and you know you might post a picture up, and everyone say, "Yeah, you look great," it's like, "Yeah, but there's something more than that." Mm. So that that is the bit where it's like you you literally want to just kind of grab them and just say, "Right, this is what we're gonna do," um, and I want you to try this, try these poses, go and study, study other models, study people you want to you want to look you want to pose like, look at what kind of frame you have, what kind of angles work for you, stop selfieing all the time because it sometimes confuses people like the selfie is not something that you're going to do on camera yeah so it's a different angle straight away yeah so straight away it's like you're going to look different to that yeah so let's toy with that and see what you can do and then what other things do you have yeah like what other traits do you have like one of the models at the moment barbie um she um she's a personal trainer and her physique is crazy and it's very natural, but very amazing. Mm. And it's just like, okay, let's let's work on that. Let's build out, like, because a lot of people are looking at you and thinking, I want a body like that. So mm. let's work on your brand as a whole. And how do you want to do that? Mm. But you know, it it all to, it all varies on the model. Like some of them just want to be able to like. You might have just had a baby and feel really crappy and feel like I've one thing I've got is my looks. Mm. So I want to build on my confidence, and I need that reassurance from exter- externally. But when you're growing with models um, and they're being told they're beautiful on the outside, they do want to be appreciated from the inside also. So it's like you look beautiful, but how do you feel? Mm. So that's how we started with our um, confidence coaching and working on. So it sort of came out of Face for Music into cool. I was I was going to get onto that. I mean, Face for Music. I know for a fact we can we can speak about all day. <laughs> um, and obviously, what we try to do here is look at the person behind the brand more so. So Face for Music's doing well. It's at the level that it's at. What would you say your main goals with that are? 
for let's say the next five years? Um, my main goals with that are to, um, like I said, to remove myself so I'm not having to be there all the time and to, to grow out and to continue to achieve um, like major campaigns. Major campaigns are something that's really important um, to me because it means that the goals get to be get exposure on a, on a much bigger platform mm. um, and that also that we're really doing our part in changing the face of you know what people see in the beauty industry yeah. like this is this this is beauty i'm not saying the other the other models aren't beautiful they're beautiful as well however we need to make sure that there's a there's an even kill platform because this is representative of the community that we live we live in and the community at large yeah. so in in the uk in in the world there is so many different types of beauty so we need to be able to display this and i feel like that is that is a mission statement for us yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember I think 2010, 2011, early social media days for many people, you was very big on promoting reading, you was very big on quotes that are now an everyday thing for people on Instagram, um, and you was very big on mindset before, again, this is just from my perception, but before it was a socially cool thing, socially trendy thing. Talk, let's talk about that. What what was it that started that for you? What was it that led you to become someone who is very big on personal development? Because you do come across like someone who is very big on personal development. Um, I what my first boyfriend, his, his mum and I really got on, and she started a black bookshop. Okay. Um, and in that black bookshop was more than just black books, but there was lots of books, and there was lots of books at my disposal, and. I just really soaked them up like a sponge and it's like, okay, this is great. This is amazing. I used to go to lots of conferences and stuff with her. I didn't even know what I was going to. I didn't understand why I was at this conference. I didn't understand what the relevance was. But I was soaking it in. And I think that those things without me realizing subconsciously leaked into my, my, yeah, my, my yeah, own yeah, personal development. Yeah, it just became a natural thing for me to want to kind of pursue this. So reading stuff like, um, like Rich Dad Poor Dad and stuff from like when I was like 21, which was a long time ago. Um, yeah, like they were, they were starting points. Um, and then, yeah, I just continued to do that. And I think that the more that you you enrich your your knowledge the more for me i'm really eager to share that so i was almost like okay right i know this like who would benefit from this yeah like so that's why i started posting up the quotes and stuff it's like oh people would like this might change someone's day mm -hmm. um i read a book called uh, chicken, soup for, uh, chicken soup for the soul okay. and in it there was there's loads of short stories and they're really good um if you're on the go um but one of the stories was about a taxi van a, a cab driver and he was he was seeing how he affected everybody's daily life. So he got so many people got him to get get into a taxi. So if that taxi driver is like really chirpy and really happy and really kind, um, it can have a, a an effect on you um, mm. on your day, mm. which can as an effect uh, byproducts have an effect on so many other people's day. So you work for a company and you get in your your, your cab in the morning. You go in there, you're feeling like, oh, I'm tired. You get in there, he's, you know, makes you feel good. You leave the cab and you go and your staff or your the people that you work for, whatever, you're nice to them. They're happy that you're happy. They, you can see how it spreads. Mm -hmm. So it was the, the notion of one person can change the world. Um, so that was really, really valuable for me because I just thought it's just simple acts 
So sharing something really amazing, like, or something that, you know, oh, I'm going through something, especially someone who people think has everything all together. It's like, actually, no, I don't. Like, I don't have everything together, have a lot of things together. There's a lot of things that I could do with some adjustments for, and I'm not perfect, haven't had a perfect upbringing, haven't had a perfect day to day. I don't smile every day. Sometimes I am a bitch. Sometimes I'm in a bad mood. Like, I'm human. And kind of letting people see that you can be human and be on a journey is really important because, yeah, if you don't, then it's like, that's really far away from me. I couldn't possibly be there. I couldn't reach that. It's not accessible. Um, so, yeah, starting with small things like bite-sized quotes that are, are malleable for people. Like, I can I can digest that. Mm. I can feel, yeah, feel a bit better. And I probably won't even know why, but it works. Mm. What would you say your the most impactful book's been? Out of all the books that I've ever read, mm. oh, it's hard. Cause it's, free. Um, there's a book that I've just read and I love, and I feel like I need to share it because I've <laughs> made so many people buy it. Um, it's called um, Light as the New Black. Okay. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's like, it's a book, it's a journey. And I feel like every time someone reads it, they'll get something different from it. Um, whether or not you're up, down or whatever, or going through a crisis. Um, it's a really, really good book. Um, the Celestine Prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a deep spiritual yeah. book if you're into positive energy and stuff. I would read like a Key Stage 1 book before that, <laughs> like The Secret or something like that, which yeah. are, are simplified versions of that. But um, in terms of like reading into stuff um, a bit deeper than, yeah, that. So um, and what? what's another one? So many. This is things so hard. Uh, Truth. It's a book called Truth. Uh, I picked up randomly because um, I was on my way on a long journey and I forgot my book and I was devastated. Um, and I picked it up. It's, it's actually just a normal book. Um, and But there was a lot of lessons in there. But being able to learn lessons through other people's life experiences is something that I think that we should do more. Um, so sometimes when you read self-help books or you read business books or something like that, you kind of look at it and you feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm at school or uni again. Mm. It's a textbook. Not, I left school, not doing this again. Not mm. going to do it. Don't want to do it. Don't want to fill in nothing. Mm. Even if I did want to do it when I bought it, don't want to do it now. Not going to do it. So kind of having that just as a story and like learning through a man's lessons that don't actually have anything to do with me, but kind of make you look at stuff like the position of yourself and your family and, you know, other people's families and other people's situations that you wouldn't assume they were going through is really important because you don't know what someone's day has been like. You just feel like, oh, you might pitch to someone today, like, oh, I've got a really great idea to do this what it is. And they might just be like, no, you leave their feeling like, oh, I'm shit at pitching. I'm shit at what I do. I'm not really good at this. They don't like me. I don't like them. All of these emotions that are really just not what it's like. That's not what it was about. It was just about the fact that they didn't get the good cab driver to yeah. Um And if they had, then they would have received your pictures differently. So maybe you could re, you could look at that opening that door again. Would you say? I mean, you've mentioned at the beginning you're a human before anything, and get that statement's ringing off in my head because I think that's such a powerful statement. As a human, before anything, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to stand for? Let's say, I'm not going to get doom and gloom, but <laughs> let's say when the days come for us to look back on Charmaine Hayden, Shannon's face for music, what do you want to stand for? Um, I want to change the world. Like, genuinely want to change the world. Like, and like yeah, I said, that's why that. Chicken Soup for the Star should have put that in my top three. It's in the top four now. Mm. We just slotted you in, all right? You're in there. <laughs> Someone paid me. Um, <laughs> 
yeah um just kind of you can change stuff through small through small things um and obviously the the more power that you have and the the power of media platforms and stuff like mm. that you can utilize if you can use those and you can change someone's life that's fucking awesome mm. like when you think about it like you could do something today you could say a few words to someone and that could change their whole life mm. like that's crazy so so that and um family and and being loved i want to be loved like everybody else i want to love i love to love and um yeah i just want to be known as someone who genuinely cares about the people mm -hmm. they care about and yeah it changes people's perceptions of themselves for in, in the good way well what would you say your views are on and you mentioned spirituality manifestation visualization i know you said that you're looking to do a vision board party soon so I can assume that you're out of a coffee vision boards. What, what are your views on manifestation and how you achieve your goals? Um, I think that they're so important. Um, I think that everybody's ways of manifesting stuff are really different. For me, vision boards are really great because I find I find visualizing stuff really hard. Mm -hmm. So most people assume that that everybody's spiritual and does manifestation and visualization like are really good at that. For me, it's like. I'm trying to picture this, like if you tell me to pick visual, I can't even see someone's head, face in my head. Like if I looked at you and looked over there, I can't see it again, it's gone. I've got so much other stuff buzzing in my head that finding still out of that is really difficult. So finding still and visualizing at the same time is not really gonna happen. So I like to give myself visual things that I can see. I'm like on my ceiling, I have a 50 pound note. So when I wake up, it's like, I see money. Like, okay, you're going to get up, girl, because the bills, they're going to pay themselves. Mm. And you, you've vowed, you've sworn to yourself that you're never going to spend that 50 pounds. Mm. I've got lottery tickets, that, the winning lottery tickets on my wall. I've got my, I've got so many visual representations of my day. I've got promises to myself. I've got affirmations. I've got my vision boards. And I've got different vision boards for different things. Mm. So um, some people don't know what a vision board is, because I did post the other day saying that I want to do another vision board party. And they're like, well, they don't know what it is, but yeah. it's literally just like a collage of all the things that you, you really want to do. And it doesn't have to be, like a lot of people start off with a vision board of like, I want a big car and a big house. If it doesn't have a big holiday on it, it's not a vision board, but it can just be anything. It could be something that's working towards um, a project. At the moment, I'm really excited about tech and stuff like that. So I've got like tech stuff on my vision board and um, investing and, yeah like little things like i've got my i've got really important stuff to me like family on there um mm -hmm. friendships um my future with my partner they're really important they're on there like, this is important to me but in almost in a in a very um i have mine quite spaced out i don't like to clock myself out um because i don't want i'm trying to free more space in life so i do that in a really spaced out way um but people can do those really differently and i think if you have visual representations or if you write stuff down then you it's an act in itself so you've already given yourself a call to action and mm -hmm. then you give yourself an, a reminder every time you see it mm -hmm. so if you write stuff down or you, you give yourself like oh th these are pictures and i can see them so every time i walk in my room i can see all these visual aids so to speak even though I might not realize that I'm seeing them every day, I'm seeing them, so the pressure is there. Like, okay, don't procrastinate because I've got a sign on my wall that says you're procrastinating. So if I look over there, it's like you're procrastinating, shit man, get to work. So just kind of having those things there are really important. Um, and we know that manifestation works because people have not been praying for so many years for, for no reason. Um, they've been saying stuff out loud and, they, and, and you know, there's, there's nothing new about this. And across the board, 
there are so many different religions, but one thing that they do say is say stuff out loud. Definitely. Um, it's not by accident. Definitely. It's not by accident you speak to most of the greats or you speak to millionaires most of the time, and they say that a plan isn't always in the format of a business plan. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not always like a 50-page booklet on, you know, what I'm going to do with my business. It's like literally, this is what I'm going to achieve. This is the dates I'm going to do it by. And then the smaller goals that lead up to that. Um, and that in itself is, is 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 saying it to the universe or saying it out loud and then watching it manifest. And you kind of see stuff when there's a call to action. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, what am I going to do? Rather than just, I, you know, when you're younger, you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to have a sick job. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a sick job. Yeah. It's like no thought about, you know. How yeah. the process, yeah. It's just like, know. I'm just going to get there. Like, I'm mm -hmm. going to get there. But you kind of have, you naturally have a thing of that. That, that threw me off. So there was a bit of slow mo there and it shut me down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do believe in manifestation. I believe in in praying and meditation. In put, taking time out for yourself is really important. Um, and a lot of people think that they're too busy, but you're not too busy to gossip with your friends. That so you pick up that phone quickly if something goes down. Um, so yeah, you need to be able to set that time aside. Put some time in your calendar for you. Like literally in your calendar, like you put, you do, oh, I've got a meeting this morning. I've got work at this time. I've got two hours where I'm going to spend with myself and then, and keep them as a priority. It's that, if anything's non-negotiable, is that like, because otherwise you don't know, you become, you become the person who, what, what, who are you? I'm a retail assistant for da, 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 or I'm an, I'm a businesswoman and I do this, or I'm a businessman and I, or I own, I'm, I'm the, so-and-so of so-and-so it's like no you're human and you're having a human experience with yourself and you get to reflect look at the stuff that you're doing right you're doing wrong your lessons your losses um all of those things like what can i gain from today what was amazing about today and that's all all i ask kids when i see them it's like oh how should they been what's the best thing about today what's your worst thing about today what can you do better tomorrow like these are my conversations so it's just you need to do that. Poor kids. My my niece, um, I bought her rich kids, um, smart kids when she was like six. Poor mm -hmm. child, I was like, I'll take you out, take you to Disneyland. She's like, come on, man. That's the best age to get them, though. Definitely. The it is, but it's the pressure, obviously. Just yeah. Let them grow. Let yeah. them grow into it. Poor child. Do you change your vision board? And if so, how often do you change it? Um, yeah, I at least change it once a year, but usually about three times a year. Um, okay. But I do leave space on it so that some stuff can be updated. Um, but I change and my mind changes. And it's like, I thought that was a really great idea then. Don't, not in love with it anymore. Don't even like that. Why would I put that on there? Um, but it seemed good at the time. And also, a lot of the, a lot of the things I've put on my vision boards, I've achieved. Um, so the first thing was my office. When I did my first ever vision board, I had, I don't know if you lot came to my first office and seven sisters but it was dungeon so, no. there was levels to the dungeon <laughs> so anyway it was proper dungeon serious is over here dying she's like i was there i, I know that that dungeon um and when before i'd moved in there my first obviously when you think of starting a business you think of the glossy offices mm. you know you're like yeah that's the office i'm gonna yeah. have so i'd put a picture of an office on there and it was just a picture that i got from the internet and when I was in that office, so we got kicked out there. We didn't pay the rent on time. Got kicked out. Um, yeah, sometimes get kicked out. Man got happen. evicted. <laughs> um, and we thought, oh my god, are we closing now? I was like, no, it's not that serious. Um, and then we got another office um, by chance, by chance meeting that we'd had, um, 
and I decided that I wanted in this office. They didn't even have any offices. They, we, we went to have a meeting about something different. Mm. It was me and Princess Naya, actually. We'd gone. She has her company, Bingley's Boutique, and then oh, I, okay. had, I had um, Face Music. So we'd gone for this meeting just about something totally different, about her shooting a music video in this building. And we were like, this one is sick. <laughs> so it was like, okay, cool. We could, then we, I was like, yeah, we need to move in it. And she was like, we're doing it. So we just thought of a master plan we was going to get in the building. So we got in the building. Um, oh, was you both in the same building? Yeah, but they weren't even letting offices in this building. Oh, like, okay. But we was we got ourselves in there. But um, then they, they in the, after about a year, they were like, yeah, you lot duped us. I don't know how you lot got in here, but you're in here and we're out. So it was, they put the rent up. Um, and then I was like, oh, let me just start to see what other rent rates are looking like. And then I was looking for these offices and... I went to view one and I was like, this is the office that was on my vision board. And I was like, I cried because I'm emotional like this. So I cried and I was like, okay, yeah, definitely this one. Mm. Um, and it was only like £50 more than the one I was already in. So it's like, this is so more accessible than I thought it would be. Um, but yeah, you got to just put it out there. Definitely. Um, one thing that I found that was very interesting that I was like, wow, I didn't know that, is that you studied law. Yeah. And think for someone who's just met you today, for example, it's like Shams face for music, law, face for music, law. <laughs> what what would you say? Well, first of all, what's your motivation to even study law? I just wanted it sounded fancy. <laughs> like literally, I went to college and I did politics and law and psychology and sociology, anything that sounded, you know, complicated. And then I did the same at uni and it's like, I just didn't want to look like a waste girl because mm -hmm. I didn't want to work full time, didn't mm -hmm. want to do it. I, I knew it wasn't like, even then, it's like, I'm not going to do this. Mum will be happy. Mum was too happy. Mum was trying to volunteer me for all sorts of roles. People was getting arrested and she said, she thinks it's America. You know, in America, they start the, they start the process, like, we're going to free you up. They start reading bear books and highlighting. It's like, nah, fam, it's not even like that. It's not going to happen. Like, uh, there's about three more qualifications you've got to get after this, mum. And I'm in year one of my, my initial degree. Like, allow me. But, um, yeah, it seemed, it was interesting. It was good while it lasted. You've obviously derailed from there. Yeah. Is that something that you're cool with? You have a regret on it? A lot of people who sort of derail is kind of like, did I waste my time? How do you feel about it? No way, no way. Apart from the other day I was looking at, um, I'd, I was helping my friend to look for a solicitor and they were saying that the, the, the woman who was, if you had to hire, you had to pay five grand just to see her and then you had to you had to pay 750 pounds an hour plus the AC. I was like, shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah. But um, other than that, no. Um, there was a lot of things that um, made me question my personal integrity when I was working in law because I did work in that field for a while mm -hmm. and um, it just didn't fit me. And the stuffy suit and all of this stuff, it didn't suit me. I like to put on a suit if I want to. Mm -hmm. a bit of a wardrobe pour so it's like I have different images from day to day outside of my uniform which is my tracksuit uniform mm -hmm. um but yeah I, I just it just didn't fit me so it's like I have no regrets I did do law and psychology um and the psychology element um has helped me a lot um specifically in looking at people and the growth and development of people for like my gold digger projects and stuff like that um and confidence coaching and looking working with people is really mm -hmm. it's really important so yeah, I've got no regrets at all, apart from obviously the money that it costs to go to uni, but no one's going to pay back yet. <laughs> well, well, first and foremost, I think we've definitely covered a lot of in-depth part of Shams Face for Music and a lot of what's behind the brand. 
Um, you've obviously now gone on to do other things since Face for Music, one of which being you're the host for Off the Radio, mm-hmm. which um fantastic show, and I can obviously see kind of the idea behind it, and it's kind of to bridge a gap on the machine in between, I hate to refer to America, but the American culture and the English culture, and to be able to have our own version, our own things over here. What is your goal with Not For The Radio? What sort of got you coming behind the scenes to now being a host on a show? Two very different things. Yeah. What, what, what led to that? I didn't want to do the show <laughs> as well. I must put that out there. I said okay. no at first. Um, but um, Posty and Viz put the show together, the show concept together. And then when they, they had the conversation, they were like, oh, let's, we need Shams. Like, this is the person, perfect candidate. Supposed to call me. I was like, Post, you know, I'm not on the camera thing. Don't want to do on camera. Don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. And he's like, just do it. So we actually filmed the first time we all met together to talk about it was the day we filmed. So oh, there was no real? like like massive wow. pre-up, there was no massive planning stages. It was just like, all right, let's do it. Like, mm-hmm. we may as well just go for it. And it was like, people really like it. So it's like, oh, this is great. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the show, it's just like, I think it's an important part of the culture. It gives people a raw conversation, um, an honest take on what's going on. Um, for me, my stance is really about, in general, in life, is about learning people about people's hurdles and getting that message out to other people because um, I hate the word millennial, but like people like now we live in an age where we want everything really quick. Mm-hmm. We're scared to show people our come up. We're scared to, sh- to st- we're scared to show people that we're starting. So we want to start and look like we've been doing it for 20 years. Um, and that that we've been doing gem, it amazingly. Chance. That's a gem. We call that a gem. Right? <laughs> that is a gem. Effects, yeah, you yeah. get a sound effect for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vogels. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, it's it's really important to be able to do that. So being able to do that on that platform is really mm. crazy. It was really uncomfortable for me at first. Really? I found being in front of the camera like horrible. I was thinking, what am I going to ask people? Because I'm not naturally very intrusive. Yeah. So yeah. like, okay, so some of the questions is like, yeah, the, the boys would like, they had their idea of what they wanted me to ask as my questions initially. Because I was like, I don't have any questions. Mm. I, don't, I have got nothing. So I just barely spoke. I was like, oh yeah, I've got nothing to say to these people, fuck. Um, and then as the show's gone on, it's been like, okay, I understand what it's about. I understand the importance of the conversation. Um, and the people that come to talk to me, you know, when I'm out and about and say, oh, Shams, like I watch the show. I'm always asked, like, what's your favorite one? Whatever. And then listening to people's feedback, I understand the value they take from it. So yeah, I'm really glad that I did say yes, because it's a really valuable platform. And aside of Not For The Radio, you've also got an event, uh, which is obviously started recently, which uh, a review is available on Grodaily.com. <laughs> plug, plug. Um, tell us a little bit about that event. Just give us a bit of a summary about it. It's not even an event, you know, it's a okay. power circle. Okay. So um, the Gold Digger Power Circle is about providing a safe haven, um, a safe platform for women to grow, um, which is why you know, Grow Daily was really exciting um, mm-hmm. to be here on your platform. Um, but yeah, like it's it literally. Uh, we've been doing it for a while. Um, we send I send out newsletters. If I had a hard day, I'll send out a, a, just a message to all of the women on the mailing list. Like, hey, like it's been a crap day today. Just letting you know, I've had a bad one too. Um, this is what I've done to overcome it. These are the steps that I've taken. Um, what are those steps? Just out of curiosity. How, depends how on the day. <laughs> how do you typically deal with a shit day? Um, well, shit day doesn't usually end up as a shit day, that's first and foremost. I try not to let um, like one act or a series of acts affect the entire day. So it's like, okay, right, that's that. Um, so say something, say something bad happens, like, okay, right, this is a problem. Sit down, 
um, to try and figure out a solution. Like, what's the solution? Is there a solution? If there's not a solution, what can we do to kind of make sure this doesn't happen again? And once you've done that, number one, not being hard on yourself. If I've made a mistake, I make mistakes all the time. Sometimes very costly mistakes. It's like, ah, oh, why did I do that? Or I miss out on a big deal with, with the VC firm or something will go wrong in the agency. Someone won't turn up to a shoot. It's like, okay, what can I do and how quickly can I do that? If a model don't turn up or she's sick, you know, we're dealing with humans, as I said earlier. Um, okay, cool. Who's the, which models have the most likeness? Call in the, the, the production company or whoever is in charge of that and said, hey, like this has gone wrong. However, I do have an alternative. Really sorry about that. We will also compensate you and make sure that, you know, you're happy moving forward. Um, and those are kind of the typical things, but sitting and stressing about it, being angry at someone or being angry at myself or being angry at the team, just that they don't really work. All that happens is they become counterproductive because you get stuck in a space of time. I don't know how many people have been on the roads and I always laugh at road ragers mm. because, right, so here's the scenario. You're driving down the road and someone's crossed out in front of you and you're fuck it. Da, 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 da. Personally, number one, they can't even see you I no more. I always say this. I always say this. They're going this. about their business. They're still happy. They're, they're fine. And you're half an hour later still down the road driving angry mm. um, in the zone and the person's not here with you anymore. The moment's so, gone. Yeah, so the moment's gone, but you've, you've pent up all this anger for absolutely no reason. I'm not saying don't have a little, <laughs> but that's, get on with it after yeah. that, you know, like just, okay, that's done. And you've got to move on with your day. And it's like, okay, cool. That happened. Right. What can I do to take me outside of this mindset? Mm. Like I said earlier, it's not about being happy all the time because that's not, it's not feasible. We have a range of human emotions for a reason mm-hmm. because we're supposed to experience all of it to experience. And how often can I experience them? And how can I increase the frequency of those good feelings? Mm. So I started Gold Digger um, because I felt like it was really important to put together a power circle of women who didn't understand necessarily their worth um, and what they could contribute to society and to each other. Um, and we usually kind of, I send out mail outs and stuff, like I said, about, about any hard days, about any good days, um, about a new strategy that I found, about a book that I've read, um, about a new site that I found that might be able to give people valuable content. Um, just so that people kind of have a hub. But for me, the circle, it, I'm trying to grow the circle out so that it's not just about me, so that all, everybody understands they have a contribution. Um, so I like to do events and stuff that people can get involved in, but also the members of the power circle are invited to put on events of their own um, and actually be able to see their own worth in action. Some of the girls have said, you know, I do, I want to get into events. It's like, okay, well, throw an event. Like, let's do it. Like. Let's, let's do an event um, or someone who wants to do a book club or something like that it's like okay cool that's amazing I would always want to do that but I don't necessarily have the time to do all of these things so if someone else is going to be able to facilitate that then that's amazing um, let's do it um, or just have a meet up and a coffee and just kind of exchange skills and have through conversations genuine conversations you realize that actually this person might be able to help me here or here or here but we don't realize could be we just assume stuff. We assume that maybe we don't have enough to offer. We don't have a network that could be valuable. Mm. We don't know what people are looking for to build themselves out or 
that we don't have the skills um, to put something together. So we're waiting forever. So why people do like a million and one degree courses. So mm. like, yeah, but let me just do one more mm. and then I'll be ready, I'll be ready to go. Um, so yeah, just trying to grow the circle um, and make sure that people have a safe space. They can go, we have a contract um, when we do our events or when we do our meetups um, of how people should act and what we expect of a gold digger. Um, and a gold digger for me is someone who's wants to grow, um, willing to set goals, willing to be accountable for those goals because I'm a helicopter person. I'm a float over you and say, but you said, mm. but you said, but you said mm. in 2002 that you wanted to do this. And I remember you saying this, so what have you done towards that? Um, so yeah, anyone who doesn't want to do that, definitely don't. Who don't want to progress, don't, don't join the circle. I'm yeah. on your back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so people could subscribe on that. Um, golddiggerpc.co.uk. Um, it's just a basic subscription at this at the moment, um, but we are working to build it out. We've got a series coming out with um, Link Up TV um, on that, so I'm sure that you guys will be getting the content for that. Nice. Also. Nice. Well, as I say, it's definitely been a pleasure sitting with you today. I think we've had more than an in-depth chat, <laughs> um, found out a few gems that we don't necessarily need. So thank you very much for your time. If you was to describe Sharon, Charmaine, Hayden in three words, three simple words or three complex words, what would you say those words are? Um, I'd say human, I'd say gold digger, and I'd say driven. Nice. Sham, we wish you all the best with everything you've got coming up. Definitely going to be looking out for gold digger. You'll see that all over Growth Day once you've got content. And other than that, we wish you a lovely day. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye.